to be a good storyteller, like Wimscott Lawrence, that's a performance art. But to tell your story, you just need a sympathetic listener. <laughs> I think it's like any other skill. Um, some people are born with more of an aptitude, um, as you may be born with good ball sense or a good voice, a singing voice. But of course you can work at it. I respect them. Also in preparation, I make sure that I, that I do my homework. And then I, I really listen. I listen with, with total concentration, total empathy. I'm conscious of that. I create a, an energy bubble which surrounds the, the, the speaker and myself. And even when there's a television crew in the room, the intensity of the listening isolates us. Human interest, always. Um, the adversarial stuff that, that the audience remembers is really my least favourite. One can do it, um, and over the years I've learnt to do it, and do it well. But it, I don't like it, it upsets me, it disturbs me. I like getting beyond the surface of the person, not necessarily beyond the surface of something he wants to hide, <laughs> but just who she is, who he is, what brought him to where he is in life, like that. In 1992, we did a profile on Bishop Tutu. It was before he was became the the nation's teddy bear, and the nation's confessor in, uh, at the Truth Commission, etc. And it was very early on in the life of the new South Africa, moved me deeply. And it was one of the first times that I really got a real insight into what it had been like for a black person to grow up under apartheid in a poor part of the country because that was his story. Um, but the humanity and the humour that we all came to know and love were, were there already. And then there were the, the, the private, the personal, a father who said to me, um, he had two sons and they were both gay. He put it slightly differently, it was in Afrikaans. Um, and he said, I could lose my boys or I could accept their partners and have more. I can noch sehen sie. That is always that ability to accept something that you that you don't really want to, that you that does not come naturally. But when it happens, to see that actually it will be better for me to shift and take this into my world. That is amazing. And these interviews, the, the interviews in the book are about change moments in life. And some of those change moments are because we decide to do something. It is why did you choose to do XYZ. In other cases, it is life throwing you a very curved ball. And how do you, how do you handle that? And I find this, that enormously, so this bewunder, I find that enormously admirable that people can do that. 
the Sheikh of Zulu, who lost her dearest, dearest husband in the middle of his 30s when they were both so fit and healthy and at the top of their game. And after going through the grieving process, she had to say, okay, so this is the new reality. I have a baby for her sake, if not my own, and for my own. I must deal with it. Let it go. Move on. That's a thing. I've been doing the interviews for a period of about three years for Bright Rock, a life insurance company. They run a website called The Change Exchange because their whole definition of themselves um, is in terms of change and change moments. So they commissioned me to, to do this series of interviews and it was only after about, about two and a half years, last winter, I just, I can't remember if it was a specific one or if it was just the, the build-up of all the experiences that I just thought they need a wider audience. It is the insights and the perspective on South Africa as well really need a wider audience. Um, and I'm a book person. Um, I want, I like a book. I read a lot on Kindle. But if I think I want to go back to this, I will go and buy the paper book, go and find the paper book. And I think it has worked. It's, we've had absolutely wonderful feedback and response, um, and there's a lot of publicity around it, etc., which the website never really achieved. Or, not in my world, I'm not a social media person. I don't really know what the ripple effects were for, on social media because a lot of the people that I interviewed are uh, have huge social media followings so what would I know but uh, but I do think that the book will serve also to I hope that it will serve as a, a lure to get people to go back to the original interviews and there are many more than the ones in the book and it's now available as podcasts so I hope I hope it will find a, a bigger audience. Because you see, the thing is that what I came to realize is that our experience of, of being in South Africa, of living in South Africa, and I mean living in the widest possible sense, the experience of life, is so diverse that if you take myself and... Jonathan Shapiro, who's the same age, John Carney, who's a little bit older, Ferial Hafiji, who's also more or less, someone like Jesse Duarte, whose interview is not in the book, but also made a huge impression, Patricia DeLille, all more or less people who have lived through the same 40 years in South Africa as cognizant human beings, you know, adults. But we could have been on different planets. And how are we going to weave together this diversity if we don't listen to each other's stories? And stories are not... a story. The other person's story is not something you can argue about. You can argue about the interpretation. It's their reality. And when they allow you in to that, your view of the world has to change.